Hi, friends. Welcome to the Faithful Podcast, stories of people who walk by faith and gained a fuller understanding of the faithfulness of God. I'm your host, Stephanie Baker. My guest for this episode is Karis Snyder. Karis is a wife and a mom and an author and a worship leader. And recently she wrote a book called Anxiety Elephants, and it's a devotional book geared toward folks that are dealing with anxiety. I loved this conversation, and I hope that you do too. So here is my conversation with Karis Snyder. Welcome to the Faithful Podcast, Karis. Thanks so much for coming out tonight. Thanks for letting me be here with you tonight. Oh, it's my pleasure, my pleasure. Um, I am really excited just to chat and to hear you share about your heart for um, the various things that God has been doing in your life and what He's been speaking to you. So before we get into all of that, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I live in Alabama, so if any of you hear that Southern accent, <laughs> that is why. And I've lived yeah. here my whole life, practically. Uh, my husband and I have been married, it'll be 17 years in April. Wow, congrats. Uh, which feels, it flies by, but <laughs> I'm grateful for him and for uh, just having him by my side. We have two daughters. We have a daughter in sixth grade and one who is in second grade. And we also have a fur child. We have a dog, a golden <laughs> doodle, which many Aww. of you may relate to. Uh, we love him. His name is Cooper Hash Brown. And <laughs> Hash Brown, because our kids said, Mom, he is the color of a hash brown. I'm like, uh, okay. Accurate description, I would say. Perfect sense. We'll go with that. Um, so that is where his name came from. But um, I have a background in early child development, but over the last probably 10 years. I have uh, been a speaker, worship leader, and then here recently an author. Oh, wow. That's, you've been busy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lots of different things. That's awesome. So yeah. tell us a little bit about how you came to know Jesus. So I grew up in a family. We went to church all the time. My mom took us. I have a twin brother and an older mm -hmm. brother. And my dad worked for the railroad. So many of you may relate to this. My dad was gone a lot. He mm -hmm. he worked all the time. He might be home a couple of days a week. And then he was out on the road for the railroad working. Wow. And so he loved us and he worked hard so that my mom could stay home mm -hmm. with us, and, you know, and just um, raise us because they felt like that was where she needed to be. Mm -hmm. um, but, but we were always in church. And I'll never forget going to vacation Bible school. And um, my mom had my twin brother and I, she brought us into my room and she had this little, it was a track, mm -hmm. um, little precious moments. Do you guys, do you remember the precious oh, yeah. moments little characters? Mm -hmm. So that had like several precious moments, Bibles and the little yes. figurines. Yep. Yeah. So it was like those little figurines and she began to present the gospel uh, to my twin brother and I with words that children could understand. Mm. Uh, she just very, she felt very compelled after vacation Bible school one night to do that. And I remember at the end, she asked us, you know, do you want to ask Jesus into your heart mm. to be your savior, to forgive you of your sins and be your savior. And at a young age, I can remember feeling very just compelled and convicted of my sin, of the mm. things that I had done wrong and, and not wanting to be separated forever from Christ Mm -hmm. And also to know that Jesus left his father to come to earth, that he loved me. Mm -hmm. Like that was big in the eyes, you know, of an eight or nine year old and, and to know that he loved me that much. And so I, I made that decision as a, as a child to ask Jesus into my heart to be my Lord and Savior. But I also, as a child, put this expectation of perfection upon myself mm -hmm. early on in my life where I must be perfect. I must not mess up. Um, don't do anything wrong. Don't fail. Um, or you will be letting God down. You'll be letting others down around you. And so early on in my life, I can trace back putting so much pressure on myself and no human can live up mm -hmm. to that pressure. And um, I began to be a master of the mask and look like everything was great. Everything yeah. was perfect. I was always trying to help others, always wanting to, to do everything that I could to deflect my scars, my hurts, mm -hmm. my struggles that I was dealing with because I was terrified that I was doing something wrong because I was struggling. Yeah. 
Mm. I I can identify with those uh, people pleasing, rule following tendencies for sure. And growing up in church, like that's a great thing, but I think that that's really a prevalent thing among like good church kids. You've got the kids that kind of rebellious and then you've got the other side that are, you know, I'm we're, we're, we're the, another, the other brother. We're not the prodigal necessarily, but we're just as disobedient in our, you know, pride and our, you know, thinking that we can earn God's love through that. We're not, we're not acting out of ob- obedience and love. We're acting out of, you know, fear a lot of times. Yeah, it was definitely fear for me. It was a fear of rejection. Mm. It was a fear of, of of failing and letting letting people down. Yeah, I I also have a mild form of cerebral palsy in mm. my left side, and and I had been made fun of as a child mm. because of that cerebral palsy, and mm-hmm. so you know, not wanting to be in that place of rejection and mm. not wanting you know to to mess up and thinking somehow. That now that I am a, a, a believer and a follower of Christ, I wasn't supposed to mess up, which is not true. Right. That was a lie of the enemy. And I think that he does that to so many of us who grew up in the church or maybe we're, you're trying to figure out what does God's word say. And he he misconstrues it and he yeah. takes what is true and he makes it into a lie. You know, just yeah. he did that to Adam and Eve with the mm-hmm. apple. Did God really say? Did he? I mean, he's yeah. uh, he has the same tricks. And so, and and I fell for it and just that pressure, you know, it caught up with me and uh, it, it just broke me down later on Mm. as an adult. Yeah. Well, I mean, it makes so much sense when you look back at it a lot of times, like, why was I doing this? I was doing this because I wanted to be accepted and I wanted to feel like I was worthy. And, um, but in that moment and, you know, for so much of our life, it's so hard to, to you know, to view it from the outside looking in. When we're when we look back, we have a lot more wisdom. But you know, that's yeah. Hindsight's everything, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like you said, when you said that word "accepted," I was like, "Yeah, that's it." Yeah. I wanted the acceptance, but mm-hmm. I, you know, I had forgotten it was so easy that God had already accepted me before yeah. I ever accepted Christ. God had already accepted me. Yeah, and um, and. And that's a powerful thing. So I appreciate that you said that mm. word because I think it comes down to that for, for many of us. Yeah. Well, I think this is, so part of the reason I guess I came across your story was um, just hearing you talk about this devotional book that you wrote. Um, can you tell me what led you initially to write about this subject? Sure. So the uh, the devotional book I wrote, The Anxiety Elephants, mm-hmm. which is a 31-day devotional, it came out of a place of, of pain and healing mm. that God had brought in my life. I dealt with, about 10 years ago, anxiety and depression, mm-hmm. and they almost took my life. And everything looked amazing and looked wonderful on the outside. You know, I, I had a, a great business that I was running for my home and My husband and I, we were leading worship together, and my daughter, who was two at the time, was living her best toddler life, (laughs) and um, it all looked amazing on the outside, but on the inside, I was being crushed by these pains that I was feeling. My Mm -hmm. heart would be racing. Uh, My breath, I would have very short breath. Like, I wanted to breathe good, deep breath, but I couldn't, Mm -hmm. and I would just feel paralyzed with fear. And I had no idea that I was dealing with anxiety attacks. Mm. And it really felt like if, if you're listening right now, if you close your eyes and you put your hands on your on your heart and you push down as hard as you can and then try to breathe all at the same time, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what it felt like. And, and I couldn't and I would struggle. But again, I wouldn't tell anybody because yeah. of the fear, mm-hmm. the fear of rejection, of not being used by God anymore, of being a failure. That was my trigger word. You're going to fail. Mm. You're going to fail if you tell anyone about your struggle. Yeah. And so not only that, but I also, in complete transparency, did not believe that anxiety and depression were real. Mm. Working in ministry when women would come to me and they would ask for prayer for anxiety or depression, I would often meet them not with the compassion of Jesus, it would often be, you need to pray harder. Yeah. You just need to read your Bible more. You just need to trust God mm-hmm. more. Yeah. Or, you know, if I knew you really well, 
I might say to you, you just need to suck it up, buttercup, and move on. <laughs> yeah. And then I began to have my own struggle with anxiety, and I didn't deal with it. And it moved into depression, which moved me to the bottom of the bottom of the pit, thinking that I was worthless, hopeless, useless, and purposeless. Mm-hmm. And um, in that moment, I just really felt as though I wasn't needed here on this earth, that mm-hmm. I was a burden. And that I just needed to go. And it was as if God just took his two two mighty, gentle, but powerful hands and lifted my head. And he said, look up. And there were helpers there when I looked up. And a counselor, my doctor, family, friends, my church. And then as he began to restore me over these last 10 years, I began to see how he would show me that others feel alone just as I felt alone. Mm. others think I'm the only one dealing with this. And if I tell somebody, they're going to think I'm crazy. They're not going to understand. They may reject me. And he, and and the Lord would always take me back to this moment with a friend of mine. We were having a play date with our daughters Mm -hmm. and she asked me, she said, Karis, how are you? How are you doing today? And I don't know in, in your circles where you guys run around, but most of the time we just say, I'm good. I'm fine. Yeah. You know, we never truly say mm-hmm. if we're struggling or if we're having a, a bad moment. But when she asked me that, and, and this was as God was truly just doing a work and the healing in me, I remember telling her, I'm not good. I'm having a hard time with anxiety. I'm struggling with depression. Mm. And I still remember it all these years later. She looked at me. And her shoulders kind of dropped, like they kind of relaxed. And she said, you too? Wow. I'm like, yes, me too. And in that moment, it was like this little nugget God gave me to say, others need to know, hey, me too. Mm -hmm. Me too. I struggle. I've struggled with anxiety. I've struggled with depression. You're not the only one. There's literally hundreds of millions of adults around the world struggling with with anxiety even yeah. specifically. And um, so it was just the Lord was just kind of showing me others need to have that moment mm-hmm. to have that me too moment of, yes, I'm struggling, but let's also have the me too moment of I, I did struggle with anxiety and it kept me from living, living my life. But now I have these tools. I have these things that I can use to cope. Mm-hmm. And so in that God just began to do a work in my heart to write the devotional and I've never wanted to write a book. This is never on my top 10 list of things to do in my life. <laughs> I don't know if God's ever led y'all to do things that you never thought you would do. Right. Um, but he, he used it and he began to use just my story and different scripture throughout the Bible. Mm-hmm. And uh, December, 2019, we published and we released the book. And then as everyone knows, 2020 happened. Right. And, uh, but in that, we still saw God's goodness and how he has been able to use this book because so many of us throughout the world have dealt and are, and you still may be dealing with that anxiety, that paralyzing fear, the, the what ifs, the unknowns, you know, that anxiety brings with it. And so, um, so that's kind of how the book came about. Mm. You know, as you described your childhood and like early adult years, I'm sure looking back, you're probably like, this was a ticking time bomb. Like this was, this was, um, you know, almost an inevitability. Like it was going to happen because you're trying to keep up this image that is unattainable and you're holding yourself to this level that, you know, is unattainable and this immense pressure you're putting on yourself and you're just feeling like, you want to be accepted, so you don't want to share those those hard, dark spaces. And uh, I mean, I, I I I just feel like that's incredible that you and it took so much bravery to share with your friend. You know, I'm really having a hard time because for anybody that's hard, but for a perfectionist people pleaser, it's 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 a whole different level. It's um. It's admitting that, like every, it, and it, or at least it feels like you're saying everything that you think you know about me isn't right. Now we all know that everybody is multifaceted, and we all know that like everybody is com- complex, and like 
they have their strengths and they have their weaknesses. But to somebody that is that wants to be perfect, they those those weaknesses are. It's more than just like okay, this is a, an area I need to work on. It's like this is like you said a failure. So, I mean, I applaud you so much. Like I can't imagine if you never shared that. I mean, I don't know, I don't know where you would have spiraled to. That's that's the scary thing. Yeah, it is scary. I, I don't know that I would be sitting here with you today. Yeah, if I would have not shared, if I would have kept the hurt in. Mm-hmm. Um, the broken places in, you know, it's scary yeah. to share because you just, it, you're, you're going out on, on faith that, yeah. that they're, who you tell is going to love you and mm-hmm. um, no matter what. And, you know, God knew all those things and was even in the pit with me when I was in the pit mm-hmm. and he never turned his back on me. And um, I think of those who are struggling with anxiety and depression and who are literally isolated right now. Mm-hmm. And they don't have that. They don't have him. They don't have that hope. And that just crushes my soul because I know what that heaviness felt like. Yeah. And so even anyone listening, you know, just know that it's okay to share. Know that it's okay to to cry. It's okay to cry out. And, yeah. and we're not supposed to be perfect. We, you're You're not doing anything wrong when you have weaknesses. Like that's right. 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 You know, and I think that's where I kind of had things mixed up in my head that I had forgotten that when we're weak, that's when he mm-hmm. gets strong, to be strong. Yeah. But I had it in my head that I was doing something wrong because I was weak. Mm. And I think, you know, a lot of us tend to to do that. And and for the other recovering perfectionists out there listening, you're not doing anything wrong by yeah. having those weaknesses. So this devotional book, what what kind of things can people expect to to read in there? Like what what sort of things? I mean, devotion is it a how many days is it for? Yeah, it is thirty one days. Okay, and it, they're they're shorter days. I can remember when I was in the the midst of the the worst part of my anxiety, I wanted to act. I wanted to do something that was going to be productive and helpful. Yeah. But I didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And so in the book, you'll find that each day gives you a scripture focus. And mm-hmm. then in the text, it'll break down the scripture a little bit. And then I share a little bit of my story, mm-hmm. of my testimony, different things that, that happened, different moments in my life. And at the end of that, we pull it all together with an action step. Because mm-hmm. again, you want to take action. You desperately want to move, yeah. but you don't know what to do. So every day you have one small action step to take, something to give you that tangible victory, mm-hmm. I guess you could say, yeah. that I did this. I took this step. And then after that, there is like a short prayer because let's be honest, sometimes we don't know the words to yeah. pray. We don't. Sometimes we get a little overwhelmed with that. So it's a short prayer. And then there's also for each day a journaling page because journaling was huge mm-hmm. for me in my healing and just in the work that God did in my life because I learned how to stop hiding and stop putting everything like pushing it down and pushing it down mm-hmm. through journaling I was able to learn to get it out just let it go let all the bad go and in, in that once you empty it once you get the garbage out then you can replace it yeah. with good life-giving thoughts so those journaling pages were important to me to have mm-hmm. that that in there. So that's kind of how each day is is structured. And it's been really neat to hear those who will read it for 31 days and they'll go back and mm. they'll start over and they'll read it again. Cause it's just easy things that helps you to develop. You're developing new habits. You're developing right. new ways mm-hmm. of thinking so that you can have a new way of living. Yeah. I mean, you would never say like anxiety has gone in 31 days. So going back through, it must be really important to kind of well for one you're you're reminding yourself of things that you've read in the past and I think that those journaling pages sound really great because for folks that are like like you or I I feel like I'm similar saying some of these things out loud is just too much so writing it down is a way to express it but I mean I used to journal all the time and then 
kids and jobs yeah. and things like that <laughs> got in the way and I, do, I don't journal as much anymore. And I, I feel like sometimes having those things written down are really important, like almost like a memor- memorial stone to go back and look at, like, look where God's brought me from. Like I was really in this deep, dark place and God has brought me into a place of hope and a place of joy and praise God for that. And I don't, I don't ever want to be back there again. I mean, I, I don't know what the future holds, but I know that I can hopefully when I see myself slipping into that, I, I turn to Jesus. And so, yeah, you know, I had never journaled mm-hmm. ever until yeah. all this happened in my life. And my counselor was actually the one who really, she encouraged me to go by a notebook, just a cheap $1, you know, notebook, nothing fancy. And she told me, um, every time you feel an anxious thought, every time you feel a depressed or oppressed thought or that moment, you know, where you're just feeling less than, I want you to journal. And so I would keep that notebook with me. And uh, and I remember her telling me, don't, and I guess she was speaking to the perfectionist side of me, don't worry about your sentence structure. Don't worry about, is this correct? Uh Don't worry about any of that. Just write as fast as your thoughts go. Yeah. And you don't have to show anybody. Yeah. You don't have to show anybody any of this that's coming out of you. Uh And I'm, and I would go back and read it. And there were some dark things, Yeah. you know, that I've been holding on to for so long. But I remember as I was writing it, I felt the release. Yeah. And I felt that heaviness leave. Mm. And then I, she then taught me next, okay, now that you're getting out these bad thoughts, you're taking those captive. Now let's replace them Mm. with good thoughts. Um, So that was really helpful to have my counselor kind of teach me how to do that. So what do you feel like the biggest challenge is in writing about something like anxiety? Having anxiety while you're writing about it. that, (laughs) (laughs) That was, that was very interesting for me. Um, because I knew the question would come and I even question myself, but what if I still struggle with anxiety? Mm-hmm. Does that make me um, a fraud? Does that make me, you know, yeah, the, you know, not the one that needs to write this. And, and in it, God just continued to remind me, it's really not about you. Mm-hmm. This is about me. And this is about the one writing this and being obedient to me. And, and if it's helping just that one person, that one mom, that one college student, um, you know, that one business person who's really struggling or that person who lost their job, this is why you write it. And so God kind of did, he worked on me and and I even found he continued to peel layers back of where I was still struggling Mm -hmm. with anxiety at times and things that I had not really dealt with. And so I had to kind of work through that and work through that process. And it was painful. I Mm -hmm. won't even at like it was a rainbows and unicorns experience, but yeah. um, but it was good. I needed it. Well, I think that reminds me a lot of um, like my husband was a pastor for a while, and um, you know it seems like what you're preaching on is what God's teaching you on. So um, that makes sense. And the thing about writing a book is even more than like giving a Sunday sermon. Like you're getting hammered <laughs> over and over with this, and so. Um, how kind of God, though, to continue reminding you of His faithfulness in, um, you know, re- regarding specifically anxiety, just over and over. You're working on this project, and you have to keep coming back to this thing that for so long you wanted to deny, but now you're helping to bring healing to others through that. I've heard of some authors, like, having maybe a picture on their desk of a person that they're sort of maybe not dedicating the book to, but maybe in an unofficial sense, like this is this is a book and this is a person I had in mind. And I think that that's, that's really cool. I mean, but you talked about just the one person that's out there. I mean, like even if the book was was just for, you know, this one person, like it's it's worth it because that person may not be here otherwise. Or, you know, like just to think that, you know, something that God is using you to write could be transforming lives that may be lost otherwise. And I mean, just how scary of a thought that is. Like it's, that's, I mean, that's beautiful, but it's also a lot of pressure sometimes. 
Right. And I, you know, he brought me back to that verse. I don't, I don't remember the uh, reference, but where he talked about how Jesus talked about leaving the 99 mm. to go out yeah. the one. And, uh, and he, he would bring that, you know, to me yeah. and cause I needed lots of encouragement just throughout that, yeah. that writing process. You know, when you do new things, when you do things that are out of your comfort zone, you need encouragement. You need mm-hmm. just that reminder, you know, just to to trust trust in the Lord and know that if He has asked you to do do this thing in your life, He will equip you. He yeah. knows that you need things. You mm-hmm. need that when He calls you to it, and He will equip you. And so it, it took me to a whole new level of trust. It took me to a whole new level <clears throat> of releasing control. I am also a recovering control freak i don't know if anyone else <laughs> not at all no I'm just <laughs> yeah it's funny my husband laughs at me and i don't do this to anyone else but when we go to movies i will google the ending so that i can control oh, how i respond i know i know that is way out there and that may be too far left field for some people i don't tell him like i don't let anyone else know yeah. but i just know i can enjoy the movie better if i know what's going to happen <laughs> I know it's crazy it is so crazy it just helps me to be like oh I can enjoy this and he'll always look at me and be like you knew that was going to happen because I'm still yeah. just eating popcorn <laughs> no big deal that's hilarious that's no that's you're at a new level than me I, I, I don't know. I it's have to I have to be able to sit back at least in a movie now in life if I could know the ending ahead of time that would be kind of cool but um so what do you feel like was the biggest unexpected blessing in writing about your struggle with anxiety? The unexpected blessing. That's a really, a really good question. I think it has been other people sharing their stories with me. Yeah. Um, just willingly saying this has happened in my life and I relate to you and I want to thank you, you know, for sharing, um, you know, if they willingly share their hurt, mm-hmm. it's hard, you know, to share your hurt, but for them to just allow me in into that part of their life mm-hmm. to know, you know, where they've been and what God is doing for them. Yeah. Um, to just give me a picture of that, that has been, I didn't expect that. Um, and I still to this day, every, when I hear from someone and they reach out to me, it still just overwhelms my heart to know that they're letting me in. Mm-hmm. to what God's doing. Um, and, and it's just that he's working. He's working in everyone's life all around this world and that he cares, you know, he cares about every issue of our life and, and he shows, he shows us that daily. But I think that has just been a really sweet, sweet blessing for me. Mm. That's awesome. How, I mean, like that's so encouraging too. It's, it's scary to put your story out there, but when it's, um, this idea that like transparency creates more transparency, basically. Like you, you show your weaknesses, and it helps others to show them, which helps other. You know, it's this ripple effect, and you know, it started with you struggling with something that you didn't even necessarily believe was a real thing, but became very real to you, and you were able to see God's goodness in that. That's awesome. What helps you to remain faithful to Jesus in the hard times? Man, I know that I have a long pause there. It's hard to remain faithful, you know. I mean, even sticking with with that, you know, transparency piece. But I think going back and remembering what he has brought me through Mm. and knowing that he's not once left me, He's not disappointed in me. Um, he doesn't look at me and shame me. He looks at me and he loves me. Yeah. And he forgives me and he moves forward with me. Um, I think that has been helpful for me. You know, I can go back and I can see and remember how he's been faith- how he was faithful to me as a child with a disability, mm-hmm. how he was faithful even when I denied dealing with anxiety, dealing with depression. Um you know, he was faithful to me and and losing a baby and missed having a miscarriage and just feeling mm-hmm. that that life taken, you know, gone away. He was there. And that in itself is hard 
that's a hard moment to go through that. But he was in the hard places. He was in the valleys. He's on the mountain. And so, you know, there are times where I ask him, what are you doing? You know, why? You know, I I have those hard conversations, but then I know I can get back up and and just say, help, help my unbelief. I know, I know that your word is true. I know that you're here. I'm having a hard time. Just help my unbelief. Mm. And that transparency and that remembrance has, that's what helps me sometimes when I don't want to be faithful, if I'm just being honest and those things are what helps me keep going. Mm. That's good. Is there, um, I mean, you mentioned the verse about leaving the 99 for the one. Is there any other verses or Bible stories that speak to you in, um, in times when you feel anxious? Yes. So one verse that I honestly did not know until I was writing this book, that was also a really unexpected blessing. Google. Google helped me to find a lot of scripture <laughs> on anxiety. Yeah. Um, Psalms 94.19 says, When anxiety was great within, your consolation, your comfort brought me joy. Um, and I remember when I found that verse, I was like, how have I not known this verse? Mm. Um, but that one for me is powerful because it talks specifically to anxiety. Yeah. Um, and then I think a Bible story, which I actually, in two of the days I wrote about this story twice about the woman with the, the issue of blood mm-hmm. and how, you know, she dealt with that for 12 years. Right. She struggled. And I think how many have struggled alone for 12 mm-hmm. years, 12 days, 12 months. Many of us can probably relate to the 12 month thing. Yeah. And, you know, she heard about a man named Jesus mm-hmm. and she heard about that he could heal her, you know, and, and how she had risked it all to leave her home when during that time she could have been killed mm-hmm. for leaving because of the customs, uh, you know, for of, of women and, and what she was dealing with and to know that she left and how Jesus responded to her, you know, and, and he wanted to know who reached out and touched him because when she reached out immediately, she was healed. Right. And uh, I love how, he had her come back, you know, and he called her daughter. Mm. He said, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Now go in peace. And it was as if he would not allow her to go back to her old way of doing things. He didn't allow her to turn and go backwards. He wanted her to have complete physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual healing. Mm -hmm. And he, and she was no longer to him Hey, that's the woman with the issue of blood. He gave her a new name. Yeah. You're mine. You are my daughter. Yeah. That's how I see you. I don't see you by your struggle. I don't see you by your circumstance. You're mine. You're my daughter. Mm -hmm. And he, you know, encouraged her with her faith. And so that story just speaks to me to know that he, he sees us, he sees our faith and he sees us as his sons. He sees us as his daughters, not our struggle, Mm -hmm. not our circumstance. You know, and for her, it was worth the risk. It was worth the risk to say, this is going on and I'm going to reach out to Jesus. And so that's also an encouragement to me to know I can get, it's worth the risk to let go of those struggles, let go of all the things that we've been holding, hiding for so long. We can mm-hmm. trust him. We can take that risk and trust him with it. Mm-hmm. You know, you talk about taking a risk. I'm just kind of like, as I'm sitting here listening to you say that, I'm thinking of so many of the people that Jesus did heal. They all took a risk. I mean, like the guy that is healed, um, that has his friends, like lower him through the roof to Jesus. Like the guy the guy calling out to him, uh, you know, that wants healing. Like there's so many stories where they're, people want that healing, but they they don't, they have to ask for it. And yeah. they have. There's a little bit of putting yourself out there, and I think that that's the demonstration of our like desire to trust Jesus. And it's like the um, the guy that says, you know, I believe, help my unbelief um, in Mark, yeah. and it's like I believe it, but I think it's it's so scary to go that extra step and to really trust that that God cares. And that you matter to him, and that you know that there can be healing and restoration, and that's going to look different for different people. Um, right. 
and it may be a, a slower journey for some than others. I mean, some people are immediately healed of things like anxiety, but more often it's a retraining of our brain basically. And it's a lot of, um, you know, learning, learning how to be more self-aware. Um, but yeah, is there's putting, you have to put yourself out there and you have to take a little bit of a risk and, you know, like God forbid somebody is considering ending their life, but in a way that's taking a risk. I mean, it's, it's, it's taking a big risk that this is going to make it better. Right. And you're going to take a risk either way. But one of those risks is going to leave your family devastated and your friends devastated. And it, you know, is going to be a detriment to your soul. The other one may bring you true joy and true peace. And so we all have decisions to make. And I hope that anybody that's listening chooses the one that that's Jesus, you know, chooses yeah. the way of life. Yeah. 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 And just hearing you as you're talking about that, I remember my pastor at the time I was going through all of that, you know, he looked at me and, and I truly, you know, thought I was just a burden. I, mm. I can remember just constantly telling everyone, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, mm. I'm sorry, you know, that, I, that I'm causing you burden and pain. And, and I remember him telling me, God is not mad at you. Yeah. And he still has a purpose for you. And I think, you know, if we're if you're still here on this earth breathing, God still has a purpose for you. He's not done with you. And he created you to do something that no one else out of all the billions of people on this earth, no one else can do what you can do. And it's not the size of what that purpose is. It's the fact that God gave that purpose to you. Mm hmm. Um, and so him reminding me of that, you know, that, that, that God was not done with me, right. you know, that, that, and he wasn't mad at me. He was not mad at me. Um, that was powerful. That was a powerful thing that I needed to hear. Mm, that's good. So how do you feel like your journey toward mental health has changed your view of God? I realized how compassionate he is and how loving and merciful he is. And I've realized the true struggle that mental health is. And, you know, I had it wrong. I was a leader in the, in a, the church for years and I had it wrong. Mm-hmm. I had it wrong about mental health, you know, that it is a real struggle just as physical health is a struggle for some mental mm-hmm. health is a struggle. And, you know, just to know, I look at David in, in some of his Psalms. And if you go read through, I mean, David lamented yeah. and he agonized and he had anxiety and he would be depressed, you know, and um, God never lashed out at him. God never um, shamed him or, or wagged his finger at David. Mm-hmm. He had a conversation with him. He loved David. We know that God called David a man after his own heart, right? you know, and You know, I even look at Jesus, how when Jesus was in the garden, he was going to the Garden of Gethsemane and he told his disciples, my soul is overwhelmed. Mm. My soul is overwhelmed. I mean, the son of God, here he is being honest about where he is at, knowing he is about to go be nailed to the cross and be separated from his father, which he's never experienced Mm. ever Mm And, and we see in his prayers how Jesus says, you know, Father, if this cup can pass from me, let it. But not my will, but your your will be done. And Jesus got up and, and he was obedient to the cross. But even in that, we don't see God shaming Jesus. We don't see him saying, no, you can't say that. No, you can't be honest about that. So through my own journey, I guess, with this and this process, God continues to show me that he wants us to be transparent mm. because through that transparency, I can continue to see that he is a loving father. I know not everyone has a loving earthly father, right? but he is loving and he is accepting of us and he, he accepts us where we are to move us to where he knows he can help us to be, to help us to become. Mm. And so I think that's one thing that I've seen, you know, that he's not this hard, hard nosed, 
football coach out there blowing his whistle and yelling, mm-hmm. you know, work harder, go harder, go faster. He's He is this loving Abba Father with his arms open saying, come, yeah. come, come rest in my presence. Let me help you. Let me... Let me surround you with others who can help you and, and, and help you find that restoration that you need, who can speak into your life. Just just come, bring it all to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, just to see him in that more compassionate way has really helped me to grow in my own compassion, I think, for people. Mm. And how do you feel like it's changed the way that you look at those that are dealing with mental illness? To know that they are getting up every day, mm-hmm. they are stronger than they think they are. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not feeling sorry for themselves. They're not wasting people's time. Um, they're not just this woe is me looking for attention. They're struggling. Yeah. And so when I see them and I see them get up and they, they function through the day and they make it through the day. They're warriors. Yeah. They're warriors. And I and I want them to know that, that they are warriors. And yes, it may knock you down, but it hasn't knocked you out. Mm. And um, so I see that. I see that differently. And I see that they're hurting and they just want to know that they're not alone yeah. and that there is hope. Mm. That's all right. That's awesome. It It is. Um for the person that's not dealing with anxiety or depression or anything like that, it it's hard to understand what um, what somebody's going through and and I mean I you know even if I had struggled with the same things you did my it would look different for me and so I can't truly understand what somebody else is going through but. I mean, just like you talked about how we have a God who's full of compassion, it's filling you with compassion, and I think that's really beautiful. Um, so if people are listening and they're concerned that maybe maybe this feeling that they've had, this tightness in their chest, or maybe it's just like their heart is racing or whatever it is, maybe they just think, oh, maybe I have anxiety, um, what would you say to them? I would first say to them, if you've been dealing with with any of those issues like you had mm-hmm. just mentioned, you know, if it is a, a tightness in your chest or a, a racing heartbeat or you haven't slept good, you've had insomnia mm-hmm. uh, or, or even just nausea, feeling just frozen with fear for six months or longer, I would I would encourage you to go to your doctor. Yeah. Um, that was huge for me, you know, first of all, having a doctor, you know, and, and her helping me to see if I would have had heart disease, diabetes, if my child had asthma, you know, I wouldn't look at them and say, pray harder, you yeah. know, I would give my child her inhaler or if it's heart disease, I would take the medication. And so there's some things going on that hormonally in your body that, that may need help. So mm-hmm. I first say to you, you know, if it's been six months or longer, seek a doctor, seek counseling. Mm-hmm. Counseling was huge for me. Both of those things God used in my life to help save my life because they knew what I needed in those moments. Um, and I would also tell you, if you're, if you're dealing with those things, if you're dealing with anxiety, especially after all that has happened over the last year, mm-hmm. it's normal. Um, it's, so this is not some something that you're making up in your head. And um, I would just encourage you to talk with some friends. Maybe you don't deal with it often, but you deal with it some. You know, Galatians 6.2 tells us that we're to bear one another's burdens. Right. Um, and so whoever your tribe is, whoever those, if it's two or three or, or more, be honest. Mm-hmm. Make that agreement with one another that you're no longer going to try to carry your own burdens. Mm-hmm. You're going to help one another carry those burdens. I, I think that was helpful mm. for me. And, you know, getting in the, in the Bible and seriously, I did Google scripture. I would try, especially on fear. I did have a lot of fear mm-hmm. with my anxiety. Those things helped me. And, and I would, you know, you might even want to look at 
What are you doing throughout the day? It may help you to journal, you know, am I watching a lot of news? Am I just flipping mindlessly through social media? And do I find myself comparing myself to what I see, you know, on social media? Am I drinking a lot of caffeine, a lot of coffee? Again, Mm -hmm. those things can trigger your anxiety. I drink a lot of coffee, so I had to pull, you know, way back. So I would just encourage you to maybe kind of take take an account of what you're doing with your time and see maybe where you can make some of those, those changes and just know that, that you're not alone. That was the lie that the enemy would always throw at me. You're the only one, you're the only one and you're not, you're Mm -hmm. not the only one. So if you can know that, if you can know, okay, I'm not the only one, there are things that I can do to cope with this by doing some of these things. That's, it can be the beginning of your process and, and know that, that it is a process. That's one thing that I had to remember. It was not, I was not going to get it right every single day. Mm -hmm. Still going to mess up. And it's still a process for me, but I do know now how to recognize those things. So just give yourself grace to know it took you a lot of years, Mm -hmm. a lot of days, a lot of time to get here. And you are worth the process to, to continue to grow out of it. Mm. That's good. So, um, what kind of advice would you give to maybe the friends and family of those that are affected by anxiety? That's I love that question. Mm-hmm. I love that you asked that question because I know oftentimes for my family, you know, my husband especially, he loved me and he wanted to help me, but he had no idea what to do. And at times he felt helpless because mm-hmm. he just didn't know, you know, how, how do I, how do I help you? How do I fix it? And I think that was the first thing that, he and I came to the conclusion of he could not fix me. He could not fix my anxiety. He could not fix my struggle. Mm-hmm. And he and I, but and I, you know, it took him longer. I, I was to that point, but he just needed to know that it was not his responsibility right. to fix me. And that was okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's important. And two, to just know that you don't have to have the answers and you can't fix them, but just love them. Yeah. Just be there, you know, be present, love them, continue to remind them that you are for them. I can remember telling my husband, please don't give up on me. Just please don't give up on me because that's that's what you're afraid of, that people will give up and turn their back. So just love that friend, love that coworker, love that family member. Let them know that you're there for them. Let them know that you're beside them. And, And even if you let them know as they talk to you, and you say to them, you know, I don't understand what you're feeling, but I, I recognize that it's real. Mm-hmm. When you give that validation to them, that helps. And when they see that you're being honest and transparent, that builds trust. And they know that that you're there for them. And even if you say to them, you know, if, if you want to go to counseling and you're scared to go by yourself, I'll go with you. Mm. I'll go with you. You know, just to know that there is that support and that they're that that you're not going to leave them. That's huge, and you taking that pressure off of yourself that you have to fix it and you have to know the answers yeah. and you have to know what to do because you don't, and, and that's okay that you don't. Um. So I, th- you know, sometimes in in Christian circles, mental illness is, um, it's only dealt with by praying. Um, I'm a big believer in prayer, and I do believe that there is a lot of, you know, it talks in the Bible about our battle not being against flesh and blood, and I think that there is a lot that the enemy tries to do with our minds. But um, is there anything that you would like to say maybe to someone who who thinks it's wrong for them to see a professional or maybe even possibly take medication? Yeah, I, I guess for me, I kind of— in a weird way, I'm thankful that God had allowed me to be on both ends of the spectrum because mm-hmm. I was on that one end. Yeah. That was just like pray harder. And then I was in the middle and realized I am praying my guts out and this is not, you know, I'm, and I'm believing and, and I, all these things. And so I would, I would take, take that person who maybe doesn't think that it's real. You know, if you thought about your child, if they broke their arm, you know, and you just covered it up and you just said, well, it'll get better. Yeah. It'll get better in time. In time, it'll get get better. We'll just, we will do things differently. You know, we will do this. We will do that. 
but what ends up happening is that bone grows back wrong. Right. And then eventually that child will have to go to the doctor and the doctor will have to re-break it mm. and then fix it back the way that it could, that it needed to be fixed to begin with. And so that's what I would say with with mental health. There are things going on in your brain, which is an organ in which God created just like he did our, our, our bones and our muscles and our heart and, you know, our, um, our liver and, and all these different parts. And so our brain needs to be taken care of and, and worked out just like our muscles do. And, mm-hmm. and when something is broken in there, something is not right. When those hormones and those synapses are misfiring, you need a doctor who is trained in that to say, this is what we need to do. And again, I know I had mentioned earlier when my doctor said to me, if you had heart disease and I told you you need to take this medication to help your heart, would you take it? Mm-hmm. And I remember telling her, yes, yes, I would take it. And, you know, not even think twice about it. So when then when she said this medication is going to help your brain, help those hormones, help those synapses get back into balance mm-hmm. and help you get out of the fog that you're in, then we move forward from that. And I remember her telling me, you, you're not, you may not have to be on medication forever. It may just be for a few years, but for some, it, they do stay on it. So she, you know, she was patient with me. Yeah. And I think in the counseling part, that helped me too, to see that, that it was okay to take mm-hmm. medication, that it was the right thing to do, that my brain had been so beat down and so tired and yeah. so overwhelmed mm-hmm. from carrying all the things that, you know, our brains want to protect us. They want to keep us alive. And when you're in anxiety, you're in this constant place of thinking something bad is going to happen, thinking something is going to be uh, wrong around the corner and you stay in this fight or flight mode. And mm-hmm. when your brain stays in fight or flight day in and day out, it's going to eventually kind of lose it. Like the circuits are going to blow and everything's going to go crazy because our brains were not created to stay in that mode all the time. So that medication can help your brain get back to the function that God intended for it to do. And so that, um, that was huge for me. And um, about three months after I had started taking the medication and I struggled with it, I cried the first few weeks of taking it, but we went to a Louis Giglio um, event my mm-hmm. husband and I did and he started talking and he started sharing some of his story and he was talking about how he would get up at night and his heart would be racing and he couldn't breathe and he couldn't sleep and he had no idea what was going on and he would just cry out to God to help him and then night after night after night this was ha- happening and my husband and I are looking at each other it's because I felt like he was telling my story yeah and then he began to talk about um, how God began to to heal him and restore him. And then at the very end, he said, and a doctor helped me. Mm. And it was as if God was saying, see, those that I I have in different places and in different stages in front of different crowds, doctors help them too. Like this Mm. is normal. It is absolutely normal for a doctor to help you in this situation. And it was as if God was giving me peace to know that it was not a sin for yeah. me to let a doctor help me. It was not wrong. It was the right thing to do. Mm. I think that's really good. And I think um, I'm a big fan of counseling. And I know you mentioned doing both. And I think that's that's incredible because that's that's really the ideal way for, um, for, you know, things to kind of get back to where they should be. Um, because medication helps. But if there is, like you were talking about, I mean, you were talking about some things that we do during our day that are triggering anxiety, but there's also a lot of like things from our past that is affecting that. And so a counselor, they're they're there to take the time to help you explore that stuff where um, even the best doctor has a certain number of patients per hour that they need to see, and they have a lot more time constraints where a counselor can give you you know, 45 minutes to an hour of their undivided attention. And their whole goal is to get you to that place. So I think that whenever that's possible, and I I know people have a thousand reasons why they don't go to counseling, um, but I counseling (laughs) has made a huge difference in my life and in my family. And so 
I will tell everybody to try counseling. And even if you're, especially if you're on the fence about like something like medication, okay, well, we know that counseling is a good thing. Like, I don't know very many Christians. I mean, they may feel uncomfortable going to a counselor, but most will say like counseling is a good thing for the Christian counselor. Um, So start there and maybe get their assessment on things. Like, you know, does it seem serious enough that we need to, you know, possibly see a psychiatrist or see a family practitioner that can prescribe something or, you know, do I need to maybe just try some modifications in my day? And they make a huge difference. And I will say that not every counselor is the same, you know, and not every counselor is a good fit for every person. Just like, you know, I could be in a room of 20 people and not all of them are going to become great friends with me. You know, there there's going to be some that I really hit it off with and there's going to be some that I'm like, yeah, <laughs> you seem nice and all, but um, we're probably not going to hang out again. <laughs> so I, I think that counseling aspect is huge. And, and, and the idea that, you know, we're trying to work to a place of health and we're trying to, you know, if possible, not remain on medication. If it's, you know, if, you know nobody wants to stay on medication longer than they need to. They right. want to, yeah, I mean, we want to, just like you want to take preventative care with other things, this is sort of the preventative care version. And so, um, and also I, I'm a big fan of counseling on the, as soon as you start to have any issues or maybe even before. Yeah. <laughs> we always did that with me and my husband. <laughs> I, I have told many people, everybody should go see a counselor yeah. once in their life. <laughs> I mean, you get to talk about yourself uninterrupted. Mm-hmm. You know, in complete confidence with this person, you know, 45 minutes to an hour. Um, and it is just, it's freeing. Yeah. It's freeing. And I think the counseling was a huge component for me because it got to the root of where the anxiety and the depression came from. Yeah. So not, if I did not have that counseling piece, I think that would have been huge and mm. not getting to the root of my issue and really just kind of taking that out and moving that yeah. out of my life. And I can remember the first, I know the first two sessions that I had with my counselor, literally all I did was cry. I just yeah. cried and I just, it was just, I couldn't get out words. Mm. But both times that I left her office, I felt relief. Mm. I felt relief and I can remember going in the third time and, and I was, then I was able to kind of talk and, you know, and share and, and this, that was kind of when that process began. But, but all I did for the first, the first two times was cry, mm. and it felt so good. It <laughs> felt so good. That's great. No, you know, there was no judgment there. Yeah, uh, and it was really. I think it was 2019, the summer of 2019. I was booked to speak for an event, and I looked on the the sheet of speakers, and my counselor was also speaking at that oh, event. Awesome. They had no idea that we had that connection. Mm-hmm. And she spoke. And then right after, I was the next speaker. And so it was like God had this full circle moment oh, that's beautiful. for me. Yeah. Um, and so, um, yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. I know that my doctor and I was in a place where the medication was needed. Yeah. But I know that everybody, whether you're struggling mm-hmm. or you're, you're, you're good right now, or maybe yeah. you're about you feel like you're you're about to go through something. Counseling will help yeah. anybody at any point in their life. Yeah, that's awesome. So, um, is um, is there any other encouragement that you might want to leave our listeners with? I think I would just want you guys to know that 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 there's hope mm-hmm. that even in the midst of all the circumstances around us, right. there is hope. And it may have caught you off guard. It may have caught me off guard, but it never caught God off guard. Mm. And he loves you and and he cares about you. And he created you with something special in mind for such a time as this. So I would just want you to know that, that you're not alone, that it's okay to not be okay. And Mm. that if you're ready to take that first step and it is scary, take it. Take it and face that fear, mm. do it afraid, and know that you are worth it. You are worth it to God. You're worth it to to us. Mm. Get the help that you need so that you can walk in the purpose and calling God has on your life. It's mm. beautiful. 
Well, we have mentioned your book, and um, I want to make sure that we don't end this without you sharing where folks can find you and where they can buy your book. Yes. So you can go to my website. That's karissnyder.com, C-A-R-I-S-S-N-I-D-E-R.com. And it'll have the different places that you can buy it. But uh, Amazon, Books A Million, Barnes & Noble, they all have the book there. It's $11.99. Sometimes those places will have different deals on it. So it's a great price point. That's great. You know. What's the name of it again? Uh, anxiety Elephant, okay. 31 Day Devotional to Help Stomp Out Your Anxiety. Awesome. Well, Karis, thank you so much for taking the time to chat. And I'm excited about your book. And I really know, I know that God has brought you through something difficult in order to be a blessing to so many others. And so I'm just thankful for your courage and sharing and um, just your love and your compassion that you have for those that are hurting. Thank you. Thank you so much just for um, allowing me to just be here with you and, and uh, just walk alongside of you, you know, mm-hmm. to just put our our mission and our purposes together. I think that that is a, is a beautiful thing. So I just want to thank you for that. Guys, the enemy wants so much for us to feel like we are the only person dealing with something. He wants us to feel like no one else is struggling the way that we are. And I loved that Karis just reminded us that We all deal with different things like this, and so many of us are struggling with anxiety. I really hope that you enjoyed this episode, and I hope that it was a blessing to you. Make sure you head over to Karis' website, karissnyder.com, and check out her book, Anxiety Elephants, her devotional book on anxiety. You can find it on Amazon or Books A Million, so many other places. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoy the Faithful Podcast, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a rating and review. Reviews help people find the podcast so that it can be a blessing to them. Remember, you can find me on my website, faithfulpodcast.podbean.com or on Instagram at faithfulpodcast. Have a great week and remember to stay faithful, friends.